How's everybody feeling this morning? Let me hear how you're feeling. Doing all right? I've had a, it's, this is a great crowd for a long weekend, first service. Go ahead, give yourselves a round of applause. Showing up on a long weekend to an early service. There's something the matter with you, but I love it. I love it. I'm joined this morning. If I've not met you, by the way, my name's Shane. Uh, and my wife Rachel and I uh, have the honor and pleasure of, of serving as lead pastors here. This morning I'm joined by a good friend, uh, Karen Lee. Karen is, yeah, you go ahead. Give it up for Karen. Karen is an entrepreneur, a business owner, a fashion designer, uh, a, uh, she, I don't know, what, a BC business, top 30, under 30. Come on, just like... Just, just oh, more important than that, you're one of the funnest people around. And this morning, I wanted your help to just talk about the launch of our groups next week. Because groups is one of the strengths of our church. One of the best things we do is the ministry and connection that happens in our Resonate groups. And so I, want, I wanted you to just talk a little bit this morning about your experience in groups. But before we even get there, how you doing? Not bad. You're yeah. good? I'm good. I'm good. This is like a minor tone. I feel like, do we turn, like when, when groups get good, do we flip it to the major chord? Like when groups all of a sudden it's like, hallelujah, it's coming. Oh, you feel that? That's like, sign up for a group in Jesus' name. It's okay. Um, now, you're good? I'm good. I'm feeling good. It's a long weekend. We're having some fun in church. So I want you to start just before we hit groups. How did you even get here? How, like, how did you show up to Resonate? Yeah, I joined Resonate last July, and at the time I was looking for a church to really challenge my heart, and my friend Betty, who isn't here, but she was also looking for a She's church. She's not here. She's not here right now. But she still attends oh, Resonate. Oh, yeah, 100%. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. Uh, awkward. <laughs> I had this friend that used to go here, and... Uh... <laughs> no, she's not here today, but she, she was also looking for a church, and yeah. she called me, and she was like, I found it. Yeah. And uh, she already test trialed Resonate a few times before she invited me. Test trialed. Yeah, test trialed. Yeah, all right. I got you. <laughs> you know, you know? And um, she, the Sunday I came, I think it was the Champion Series. Yeah. And I don't know what happened, but <laughs> I was bawling my eyes out, yeah. like ugly crying and everything. Yeah. And then after the service, I was, we were walking up the stairs and you were in yeah. front of me. Yeah, I remember that. You, it's like you detected that someone was new around you right. and you just like stopped and you just like turned around and looked at me uh, while I was like still recovering from crying. I heard a lot of crying. I, <laughs> well, anyways. Um, and then you were like, I haven't met you before. And then you right. asked me what name my name was. Yeah. And then you remembered it ever since. Yeah. And I've never had a pastor even take notice of me. So I stayed. Wow. That's a great story. There's a lot of pressure on me now to remember everybody in the room, but it's a good story. It's good. Um, so how did you get into an R group? What was the connection? What was the entry point to groups? Okay. Yeah. It was totally... Shoot straight. I'm totally... Yeah, I'm going yeah. to. It was totally by accident. Yeah. I had no intention of joining a group at all. Right. Yeah. And I think I felt that I was different from church people in a way where I'm, like, really snobby sometimes. Yeah. Like, I just want to, like, people here are so nice and so friendly <laughs> and so kind. And sometimes I just want to roll in, <laughs> receive the word of God, feel inspired, and then just, like, roll out without having to yeah. talk to anyone right. and having yeah. a small talk. Yeah. I've noticed you do that, and then I've grabbed he you. He caught me. He was then, like, where I mean, are like, you going? I'm like, and where do like, you think you're going? Let's get, and then, like, I see you, like, an hour later, and you're like, oh, this is 
the greatest. And I'm just, just like still talking to people. It's just like something happened. So Something with your glasses. Yeah. You like detect people who are new or trying to run away. And yeah. Just like, okay. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, so I, I also felt like my schedule was just too full. Right. And I just honestly didn't want to sacrifice yeah. my Saturday. Yeah. Running a business. Yeah. Designing clothes. Just, lots just, of Instagram posting. So many, it's like a big, yeah. it's tough. Yeah, I just, yeah. Didn't, just didn't want to, yeah. honestly. Okay, so then you got into a group, and you were invited by someone. You, you, you dove in. You showed up. Um, and then here's the big question. is like, what changed in your life? Was it just like, hey, I got into something, and some relationships? Like, did some stuff start to shift for you? Yeah. Um, so in our women's group, we touched on um, topics that I think everyone still struggles with or have struggled with, which right. is like forgiveness, yeah. shame, and basically obstacles that really hold you back from being free. Right. And then the week following, I found myself remembering what we talked about and mm-hmm. then consciously trying to apply it to my daily life, which was really unexpected right. because I didn't think that what we talked about would end up infiltrating my life outside right. of Saturdays. Wow. And so I found that I realized That's good. it was groups was a way for me to make more space for God yeah. so that my thoughts would be filled with more of of him and less of the things that didn't serve me. Right. Man, that's so good. That's like, wow, preach, girl. Um, Now, what would you say to someone who's considering checking out a group next week? Maybe someone, uh, like in our spring session of groups, we had uh, around about 25 groups, I think it was. We had 394 people registered in those 25 groups. And so it's like, it's big in our church. It is, it's so much of what we do. But still, I know there's, there's people that may be thinking about checking it out, like eager to check it out, maybe not sure. What would you say to someone who's thinking about it? Groups is super intimidating. Right. And I totally get that. But yeah. I think there's this common fear of uh, maybe you might commit to this and it's going to stretch you way beyond your current bandwidth. But I would really encourage anyone who's even thinking about it or even thought like, oh, this might be a good thing yeah. to just allow God to expand their capacity beyond wow. their means of wow. what they think is possible. Wow. And you know what? If your life is falling apart right now, like hmm. just straight shambles, like can't even breathe, that's the perfect time to join a group. Oh, my goodness. And you're, and you're like, Come what? on, girl. Why? Well, it's because wow. maybe God yeah. is letting you come undone for a reason. And maybe he wants you to find your priorities, your checklists, and your identity in him. And the worst thing that can happen, you will meet people who is going to love you, encourage you, and just inspire you to become a better version of yourself. Yeah. Come on. So good. So good. Drop the mic. You just go. Just drop it. Um, Can you give it up for Karen this morning? Thanks so much. And give it up, and give it up for Brenda this morning as well. Our company is so good, so good. Oh, I'm so excited. If the the it's one more thing about Karen. A lot of the creative stuff you see around here that she's got her hands on it. Uh, she is largely involved in our creatives team, uh, and she's just uh, just involved in a lot of the stuff that's even coming this fall. And so again, just a great shout out to her for. for 
Uh, really a little mini preach right there before the message. It's awesome. I'm excited to, uh, to be in our group's launch season coming up next week. We're going to make it really easy to find the group. We're going to have our, our, uh, our groups uh, all in the lobby for a rally after both services. But if you can't be here, we will launch our online directory. You can get online. We are resonate.ca and uh, message a group leader. Find your fit and as we head into the fall. This morning we are closing our summer staycation series. We've been talking for three weeks on three words God's given us as a church for how we do church, not just as a gathering of people, but as a family. It's really God's desire for us, and it's our desire here at Resonate to do church as a family. God gave us three words. Those words, someone want to help me out with this. They are known, loved, and challenged. That's great. Known, loved, challenged. And in week one, we talked about this idea of known, being known by and knowing other people, and being known and knowing God. We get our cue from Jesus in this. In John 10, he said, I know my own and my own know me. Which is such a beautiful picture. He's saying that the people I'm doing life with, I'm not just in proximity with. No, I've taken the time to get to know them. And I'm actually allowing myself to be known by them. That's, That's sometimes the tough part, right? I don't mind knowing you. I don't mind you sharing your story with me. But I'm not really sure I want to open up my world to somebody else. Jesus says, I know my own. They know me. Then he goes beyond that. He says, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And so in just this one sentence, he's talking about four different directions of knowing. Knowing is essential in this journey. We said known comes before loved. Why? Because if someone was to say, I love you but you don't think they know you, then you would just say, yeah, but you wouldn't love me if you really knew the real me. And so known as the entry point to genuine love. In week number two, we talked about love. We talked about the standard of love that the Bible gives us really through Jesus of how we're called to love one another. And we said it's not just the golden rule like love as you'd want to be loved. Jesus took it further and he said this. He said, love one another just as I have loved you. Meaning that God put every expectation of your life, not on a command that he said, now go and do it because I told you to. No, he, his commandments flow out of, his requirements flow out of what we've received from him. And so God knew that if you actually postured your heart to go all in in a relationship with him, that you would find so much love. That he said, I'm going to make my requirement and my ask of you contingent on what you got from me. Come on, somebody. That means God is so confident that if you will move towards him, you will receive the depth and immensity of his love. Man, loved week was a good week. And then we get into this, this, this third week, known, loved, and challenged. Because it's not enough to just be known and loved. But we've actually got to grow and mature and change a little bit. And we get our theme text for this morning out of Romans 8, verse 29. It says, those God foreknew, he also predestined. Really, here's the center point of it. To be conformed into the image of his son. Meaning that God's plan and desire for all of us is that we would look more like Jesus. The goal of our faith is that we would continually become more and more like Jesus. And so we're going to press into that a little bit this morning on this idea of challenged. But we say known and love got to come first before we get to challenge because challenged is a hard thing. Now, some change and some challenge is coming this week for most people in the room. There's some, someone around you is going to be heading back to school. Maybe you'll be taking someone to school. Parents in the room, come on, you know, Pastor Troy was already mentioning it. He's celebrating. Uh, he loves his kids, I promise you. He loves his kids. He's just like really happy about it. And that's cool because there are two kinds of parents. There are parents 
that on Tuesday, you're going to walk to your car, you're going to get behind the wheel, you're going to double fist bump. Yes. Because you haven't, like, you haven't had a moment of silence in two and a half months. You haven't been able to drink a coffee without microwaving it 36 times in the last two and a half months. You are going to head straight to Starbucks. You're going to head straight to wherever you go. It's like black sugar in Port Moody. Wherever you go, you're going to go right there. You're going to get a hot coffee and you're going to drink it while it's hot. No one is going to stop you. It's going to be amazing. You're going to be celebrating on Tuesday. But then there's another group of parents. Yes, Pastor Troy, hand up in the front. Now, there's another group of parents. And this is my hands up for this one. Because this is a milestone year. And your babies aren't babies anymore. You're going to take them to kindergarten. You're going to leave them there. Or maybe you always drove your kids to school. But this year they're driving themselves. Or maybe, maybe they're off at college. Or they've moved away. And it's, it's like there's the celebrating parents. And then there's the curb crying parents. And you're a curb crier. I'm going to be a curb crier on Tuesday. Glory to God. Pray for me on Tuesday. Here's my hopes for Avia in kindergarten this year. Our oldest is going into kindergarten. Here are my hopes for her. I hope that she finds great friends. I hope she's got the courage to lead. And I hope she learns some things. That's the, the essential uh, point of school is to get her ready for the next level. And then the next grade is to get you for, ready for the next level. And eventually you graduate and you're like, I don't even know what I need any of this for. What's the next, the next level had nothing to do with calculus. But whatever. They're <laughs> intending to get you ready for a next level. And for her to get ready for a next level, she's got to have a teacher that knows what she needs to learn and is willing to help her see some stuff that needs to change. The teacher's got to look at the fact that right now when she's writing stuff down, sometimes she uses the I with the dot right next to the big B. Like it's just, she doesn't know whether to use the small letters or the big letters. So the teacher's got to actually, will have to say, okay, Avia, when you're spelling your name, you start with the big one. They're going to have to see where some growth is necessary. Now, I think most of us are okay with being challenged in academics. You might not love school. You maybe couldn't wait to get out of school. But you want your brain challenged. It feels good to have your brain challenged. You, you probably like to have your body challenged. You know, just, just ask someone that runs CrossFit. They'll tell you. You don't even have to ask CrossFit guy. CrossFit guy, CrossFit girl, they already told you how much they like their CrossFit. You, know, you just like, you know, they, we like having our bodies challenged, right? Same with you kickboxing people. I see you right over there. Yeah, you know it. You're just posting it. You talk to us about it. And those of us that are just, you know, the, we're just trying to get back to it. We're just trying to get back to it. How many have fall goals now that the kids are back in school? I was thinking about it this morning. I'm like, what should I do? Do I buy a bike? Do I get a gym membership? What do I do? Like, I just got to figure it out now. I get a little bit more time in my world in the fall. Like, we don't mind having our brains and our bodies challenged. But how many know when it comes <laughs> to your heart, we don't really like being challenged in matters of the heart. And I think the reason why, when it comes to our hearts, when it comes to faith, we don't like being challenged is, is most of us have been challenged before we've been known and loved by someone. We had someone tell us what we were doing was wrong before we felt like we belonged and we really felt there was genuine love in the relationship. At Resonate Church, we're on a mission to flip the script. That when people walk in, we want to know you, we want to know your story. There's no judgment in this space. We're not trying to figure out how you could be doing life better at that point in time. No, it's just like, I want to know you. I want to embrace you. I want you to know you belong in this place. I want you to know you can come in with every wart that's on your life. I want you to know that this is a place where you can be known. You can be known and not be judged. You can be known, 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 known. And then into love, because once, we, once, once someone is known, then we got to love. Like real love, the kind of love Jesus said to have, the kind that's not contingent. On just being a commanded love, but actually I've got 
so much love inside me that I can turn around and love you. But there is a third step, and it is to be challenged because we will reach a point in the faith journey where in the right relationship, at the right time, and with the right heart and spirit, we do need to get to the ultimate goal of looking more like Jesus, of living the life God's called us to, of living the best life that he is leading us into. Not until we get through known and loved do we get to challenge, but there is a need for challenge, a challenge to grow, a challenge to change. And we say the word challenge because growing ain't easy. I remember, I, I, I did not, when I first started in my career, I was like, I was not interested in being challenged by my superiors. I, I don't know about you, but I, I kind of have this little like, I want to have it figured out attitude. And so I remember when I first got on staff at a church and my lead pastor, he took me out for coffee. And he said to me, he wanted to challenge me on something. He said to me, Shane, I noticed that you've got this tendency to use really extreme language. And he didn't mean I was swearing a lot. What he meant was that I'll be in a meeting and someone will suggest something and I'll be like, man, that's the best idea ever. And a couple of minutes later, someone else would suggest something. and I'd be like, that is the worst idea Ever And as we're having this meeting, I'm thinking, this is the worst meeting ever. I just didn't like being <laughs> challenged. Didn't like any feedback. But we got to be challenged on the journey to some growth and some change. And I believe that out of being known by God, out of being loved by God, we then have our hearts open and receptive to God wanting to lead us. Because listen, I don't know what you believe about God. I don't know what you came in here thinking. But I think most of us would say, if God exists, we want to know what he wants. I think we could mostly all agree on that. If God is real... I sure do want to know what he wants for my life. And so I think God wants to challenge us in three areas. These are, I, 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 want, I want to walk through these together. We're going to look at the life of David. Pastor Troy's already set us up here this morning talking about the life of David. I believe David was an individual who was able to, through the highs and lows Pastor Troy mentioned, able to be responsive and receptive to challenge. He was open to it himself from other people. And we're going to start with this first idea that God wants to challenge us out of complacency. That we need a challenge out of complacency. Because in every life, in every organization, in every church, there are pockets of complacency. You might feel like you're burnt out and you're worn down and that you're running real fast. And that's probably true for most of us. Nevertheless, in some key areas of our life where life could get a little bit better, there's always going to be some pockets of complacency. And how many know that when things are going sideways in our life, we have a tendency to blame other people rather than go looking for our own pockets of complacency? Like if we're not really feeling relationally connected, we might say, oh man, they just, that, that, they're cliquish. They're clicky people, or man, they didn't really invite me in, or they didn't really, it wasn't, I just didn't feel invited in to the, to the group, and I'm not really feeling like there's strong relationship. Rather than us saying, where might there be a pocket of complacency where I'm not pursuing right relationship? Or success is another one. We look at somebody else's success, oh man, we do, we are not good with other people succeeding. And so we see somebody else succeeding, and we think, man, you just had so many more opportunities than I've had. Rather than us looking inward and saying, maybe I've grown complacent with the opportunities that God has put in front of me. So what I want to do is I want to look at the life of David, several different parts, points in time. And the first one I want to look at is, is a story that we will all be familiar with on some level. It's David and Goliath. First Samuel 17, Dan, uh, David is a young man. And there's a giant that is defying the God of Israel. His name is Goliath. We probably all know the story. 
Now, the army of Israel has been sitting there for 40 days with a complacent spirit. Who's going to do something? Someone got, and it becomes contagious, like no one wants to move, no one wants to do anything. Until David shows up on the scene, and David's like, come on, let me at that guy. He says this to the king, your servant used to keep sheep for his father, and when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered him out of his mouth. No one has been coaching David in how to kill lions and bears. David has simply developed this attitude that he is going to take on challenges that he's not taken on before. There's a whole army of people that are more experienced and stronger than little David. He's just the one guy that says, I'm not okay with where things are at right now. And he decides to show up on a battlefield that he has no business belonging on. And the reason he tells us he does it is that he has continually challenged himself to take on new levels. And he has seen that God has shown up on each preceding level. And so even though he's never fought or defeated a giant before, he has been in battlefields where he did not feel ready and he saw God show up. He's developed this spirit that says, I'm just not going to, I'm not okay with complacency. I'm going to take on the next challenge that presents itself. Uh, Recently, Rachel and I, we were having one of our, you know, the kids are asleep. Let's have a conversation about how life is going moments. And so we're sitting there on the couch and Rachel said to me, she said, baby, I had some clients come to me this week that that I'm, I'm not really sure that I'm ready for. If you don't know, Rachel Pastor Rachel, she is a top-shelf rock star therapist, counselor, runs her own business, as well as being a pastor over this house, as well as being a mom to three kids. I mean, wow. So she just crushes it. Now, this referral had come to her from a friend. She's a, she's got a friend in Houston, a therapist, really well-known internationally. And so she gets clients that want to come to her from other countries, maybe want to do some uh, some video counseling with her, and she had a referral, uh, some, or some Canadians that wanted to come see her, and she said, no, you need to go see my friend Rachel in Canada. Well, Rachel gets the referral, but the challenge is that the husband and the wife are both psychologists, meaning that in her field, they've each got just a little bit more education than Rachel has in the field. And so we're sitting there on the couch, and we're having to decide, are, are, are we going to show up? Is she going to show up to a room she doesn't really feel comfortable for? We had to ask ourselves a question that, honestly, we have had to ask ourselves more times than we would want to ask ourselves. We've had to ask ourselves, are we going to show up in rooms we don't quite feel ready for yet? Come on, I believe God's getting some people ready in the room this morning. for some. He's ready to, getting ready to put you in a room you don't belong in yet. He's getting ready to put you on a field you don't feel ready for yet. He's getting ready to open up an opportunity that you've not tried to take on in the past. But we will not go after it if we allow a pocket of complacency in our lives. And in David's world, he's just decided that I'm going to show up to a place that I've never had to show up before. I want to encourage you that God's called you to show up to a room that you've not been in before. I want to encourage you, God's called you to lead in an arena that you do not feel equipped for. Man, God, God's called you to show up to your workplace like you're an owner. Like, 
not like a cocky, like I own the place, everybody listen to me kind of way, but like you're the majority shareholder and you care so much about what goes on in that place, even though you might be at the bottom of the corporate ladder. To say, I'm going to, and even though nobody is watching, even though the owner might not even know that I'm taking, the owner might not even know that I'm doing this and caring this much, but I'm just going to step up to a room that I don't yet belong. And this is David. David, as he's fighting lions, as he's fighting bears, he's doing it in rural who knows where and nobody's watching. And it's not a part of his job description. Shepherds don't have to kill bears. I mean, they got to try and protect, but no one's blaming them if a bear comes and takes one. After all, no one's watching. There's no cameras in the hills to see how David reacted when the bear showed up. There's no camera to even prove that David was there when the bear showed up. And it's just one sheep and David doesn't even own them. I believe David understood this. That God's not going to entrust you with leading a nation if you're not willing to take care of somebody else's sheep. So the question for this one is, where in my life do I need to combat a little bit of complacency? Where do I need to combat, oh, I've just always had that attitude. It's just the way I am. Just a little prickly. Well, no one's really taking care of me. No one's shown up for me. My boss doesn't really care that much about me. Where am I going to begin to change my attitude and show up with a different spirit? pocket where's a pocket of complacency i don't know it's it's so great i love i love the way the lord works in our lives you know as even as i'm working through this message and i'm writing these thoughts down i'm thinking to myself yeah i know right where you're putting your finger on lord i think if you just ask if we just ask ourselves the question where's the pocket of complacency right now i think we'll know pretty quickly so the first area that the Lord wants to challenge us in it's an internal challenge it's to light the fire again i'm going to look inward And I'm going to look for a pocket of complacency. Well, the second kind of challenge I believe God wants to bring to us is not an inward challenge. It's an external challenge. It comes from outside of ourselves. You see, it's not just enough for us to try and look inward and see what needs to change. We've also got to have the right people in our lives looking out for some blind spots. The second type of challenge that we need is a challenge that comes from a trusted leader or a trusted friend. Because we've all got blind spots. We've all got places where we can't see where some change is necessary. David was the same way. If you fast forward a little bit in his life, over into 2 Samuel chapter 19, you find a, a scenario that is unfortunate in his life, that David has a broken relationship with one of his sons named Absalom. Absalom decides that he wants to try and take the kingdom from his dad, try and kill his dad. So Absalom comes with his men, tries to take out his father and David's men, go to battle with them, and in the heat of the battle, Absalom is killed. David goes into mourning for his son. It's very understandable. I think any parent would, no matter how broken the relationship was. Nevertheless, there's a blind spot. David is not noticing or thinking about the fact that there were men that risked their life to save his. And these are men that now feel underappreciated, uncared for, and unnoticed. They've given the ultimate sacrifice, and nobody thanked them. And David's got a trusted friend that comes along and says this, Now therefore, come on, get up. Go out, speak kindly to your servants. I swear by the Lord, if you do not go, if you don't get on up right now, David, nobody's staying with you. Not even one more day. And what I 
What I'm amazed by is that David, even though he's king, even though he's got a whole lot figured out, David, in a moment where he probably didn't even have the best of his thinking together, was receptive to the challenge of the right person. Verse 8 says the king arose. He got up and took his seat. All the people were told, behold, the king's at the gate. He didn't have it all together, but he got up and the people came before the king. It's an external challenge. We've all got blind spots. We've all got places that need to get dealt with. Now, I'm not suggesting that you set up a comment card box for your life. We, d- we don't need comment card boxes. You got enough going on in your world that you don't need everybody with their opinion telling you how to change your life. You don't need to go on Instagram and say, hey, if anyone was to see anything that needed to change in me, Please message me privately or publicly. Doesn't matter. Just get on. I want to grow. So tell me how. Amazingly enough, there are people that will find your post that didn't ask for their opinion. And they will believe that your little wall or comment section is is a comment box for everyone to help you know how to grow. And they have been sent by God with the right message at the right time to give to you. You know how you, you know, here's, here's how I think we, we approach this one with wisdom. I think you go home, and then you get a pair of scissors, and you get a ruler, and you get some paper. And you measure one inch by one inch. And you cut yourself a box. As many names as that box will hold, that is the group and the list of people that you have said, I am going to listen when they tell me that something needs to change in my attitude or my life. And here's why it's important that you write it down. Because the moment you need the challenge is most likely going to be the moment you don't feel like being challenged. There is sometimes the tendency in church world to just say, we're just going to make decisions on the basis of what feels nice for people and what won't offend anybody. But if we don't say when something's not okay, when we don't hold people accountable, when we're not looking out for the people that we lead and, and actually intentionally looking for areas where they could grow, what we do is we end up creating a culture where a challenge conversation actually begins to feel so uncomfortable that we create a culture of people that are easily offended. We don't want anyone to challenge us. I don't, what, are you, what are you talking to me for, bro? We get this easily offended culture, and we don't understand that a challenge conversation is a necessary step on the path to growth. We just think it's discomfort, and I don't like it. We need to be open and inviting the right people to speak into our lives, to give us feedback. And, and feedback's a funny thing. I think we actually need to approach feedback intentionally. Because most of the time when we're inviting someone to challenge us, what we're saying to them is things like, how did I do? And if you asked me how you did, I would probably just say, great. <laughs> because you weren't asking because you wanted to grow. You were asking. You say, how did I do? You're asking because you, you're just like, could you just tell me? So here's the, here's the question. Here's the right question. Here's a better question. What if you were to walk into work tomorrow and you were to go up to your boss and say, hey, I want to crush this project. So would you let me know three areas where you think that I'm not seeing it? 
where I could actually up my game a little bit? Come on, ask for it, because they know. They probably want to tell you anyways. David understood that while he was on a hilltop with some animals he didn't own, he had to grow internally. He had to identify a pocket of complacency. But David also understood, I don't just need to have my own eyes out for myself. I need to have the right people looking out for me because there's going to come a day when I'm making a foolish decision that could cost me everything. And even though I'm not going to want to hear it, I got to have someone calling out the champion inside of me. I believe God's going to challenge us in complacency. He's going to put the right people, the right leaders in our life. Come to the third area and And this is the best one and the most important one. I believe God wants to bring a challenge to our lives. And it's a challenge. It's a Holy Spirit challenge to live more like Jesus. And we've already talked about this, that this is is the key text we had for today. Romans 8, 29, that said that God wants to to conform us into the likeness of his son. But I want to rewind a verse before it, because the verse before it is really important context before we get into the idea that God wants to make us look more like Jesus. These verses aren't often read together. The one before it, Romans 8, 28, is a verse that is one of the most well-known passages in Scripture. It's one of the most, uh, most quoted verses in the Bible. It's one of the ones that we hear and we're like, oh, that feels so good. We love Romans 8, 28. We don't normally read it into the second one. Here's what Romans 8, 28 says. It says that we know that in all things, somebody say all things, God works for the, of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. I mean, this is, that's, that's some good scripture right there. God loves you. God is working all things for good in your life. How do you know if he is? Well, number one, you love him and you're living your life with purpose. If you're doing those things, you're loving God and living with purpose, you can be guaranteed, Bible says, that God is going to work all things for good for you. But what we don't normally do is we, we don't normally flow it into the next verse, which tells us all the good that God wants to do in our lives, which says, we read it, those God foreknow, he also predestined to be conformed into the image of his son. Meaning the good that God has for you is not the good fuzzy feeling you get when we get to the third worship song on a worship set. The good he has for you is to make you look more like Jesus. Sometimes we get that, we, just, we need to read it together and understand, no, the good is not that everything feels good. The good is not that everything's working out the way I thought it should work out. The good is that I'm continuously becoming more and more like the one who loved me so much he gave everything for me, sacrificed his life for me, showed me what love is. The good that God wants to work in my life is that I would keep looking more and more like that. Not knowing a room this size. But there, there's going to be a lot of people in the room today, and you know, you know that there's stuff in your life, like unconfessed, undealt with sin. And when David was in that place, he cried out to God like this and said, God, create in me a clean heart. He talked about not wanting to be feeling like he was cast away from the presence of God. And he, and he keyed in on this, I, like, I need your Holy Spirit. I need the Spirit to just be speaking to my heart. What's going to happen? Lord, restore to me that joy of your salvation. So I'm going to need your presence because in it is joy. Notice again, this is the same thing Pastor Troy talked about earlier. That in the presence of God is fullness of joy. Come on, he might have said that and you might have thought to yourself, yeah, really, I don't really feel that. 
Maybe the reason you don't feel like in the presence of God is fullness of joy is you just haven't allowed yourself to believe that God wants you to experience joy in his presence. Because some of us actually have the wrong mindset that challenge means that you should never feel good in the presence of God. No, that's actually not the truth. In his presence is fullness of joy. And when he challenges you out of the stuff that's in your life that doesn't look like Jesus, David is telling us here that the result of that is his presence and his spirit and a restoration of joy. The Holy Spirit comes not so that he can put a downer on you and make you feel guilty and live your life feeling full of regret. It's actually to get you out of the regret that you already feel because you know the stuff that's broken up your life. God wants to challenge us on up out of that so we can be restored to some joy. This summer we bought a uh, large inflatable unicorn. And I don't know why I buy things like this. I think it's because I've got two daughters. But we just bought this like it's, it's super big inflatable unicorn. I, I, we blew the thing up, and uh, I was kind of like, what was I thinking when I was at Walmart that day? But nevertheless, there it was. And we had it at a beach in Salmon Arm, and we went out on this lake, and I'm floating with the girls, and we look back towards the shore, and I can't see Rachel anymore. And I'm thinking to myself, what's going on? Is she okay? Like, why'd she have to leave? Like, is, is Wylan okay? Did she, did she run off somewhere? Is he, is he choking on something? What's the matter? Why is she not on the beach anymore? And then I just kept looking. I'm like, oh, no, no, she's just way down there. I've just drifted a long way. Maybe that's where you're at today. Like, you didn't intend to walk away from God. You never intended to set your life on a, a course that was away from his presence and away from his joy. You just got there because you drifted. And the action, uh, the action step for for you, if that's where you're at in the room today, and the action step is to repent. It's one of the most positive words in Scripture because it doesn't mean to feel bad for the stuff that's gone on in your life or the decisions you've made. It actually just means choose a different course, turn around, and go a different direction. I'm so thankful that we serve a God that, that knows you, and having known everything about you, He loved you so much that while we were at our worst, he did his best and gave his only son for us that we might be forgiven and free of sin and live this life full of his joy. There are moments where in the presence of God, we need a Holy Spirit challenge to live more like Jesus. I'm not your Holy Spirit. I'm not here today to write you a list of whether it's things that you've said or things that you've seen or things that you've been doing that you just, I don't have to tell you what those things are this morning. Maybe it's not even black and white. Maybe it's gray. You just know you wouldn't do it if Jesus was in the room. Holy Spirit's here to speak to our hearts because God knows you and loves you and wants to challenge us to change because he wants us to look more like Jesus. And so, God, I'm so thankful, Lord, that your Holy Spirit is here, God. And I'm thankful, Lord, that, that what you have for us is life. Life evermore and life abundant. And in your presence is fullness of joy. So, Holy Spirit, I invite you examine my heart today, Lord. Where do I need to look more like Jesus? And I'm going to ask if you would pray that same prayer in this moment. Say, God, Holy Spirit, where do you want me to change to look a little bit more like Jesus? I'm going to invite us to stand all over the room as we go back into a time of worship. Let's just open our hearts and ask God to examine us, to see us, and to lead us. When you
and quiet atmosphere of worship every single Sunday. I believe there's somebody in the room that you know that today is a day to make a, a, a faith decision. The Bible actually calls that salvation, and it is so clear that that is not on the basis of the things that we would do, but on the basis of what God has already done for you in sending Jesus to a cross for sins. And we said this last week, we don't really like to think that's what it took for our sins, but knowing the scope of the cross is really what frees us to understand that nothing could separate us from the love of God. And so if you're in the room this morning and Maybe you don't have everything figured about, about faith. Maybe you don't have every question answered on the journey, but you know I'm far from God. And, and, and today you'd say, by faith, I want to make a decision to put Jesus at the center of my life, to believe he died and rose again so I could be forgiven and free. Today you know you need a next step to be that closer to God. And maybe it'll be the very first time you've ever prayed a prayer like this, or maybe it's actually a recommitment because you're far from God. And we say it this way, not that you've had a bad week or two. I mean, like you just know you've walked away from God. And you're in the room today, and today, on September the 1st, 2019, as we head into a new season, you're ready for a new season. You're ready to say, God, take my life, I'm yours. If that's you in the room, in a moment, I'm going to count to three. When I get to three, I'm going to invite you to shoot your hand up and say, that's me. We won't center you out, embarrass you, uh, do anything to cause people to know that it's you that rose, raised your hand today. That's actually between you and God. I'm not even looking today. It's between you and God to say, Lord, today's my decision is to begin a new season with you at the center of my life. If that's you today, you'd say, yeah, that's me. I want to pray that prayer with you today, Pastor. And you shoot up your hand on three, one, two, three. You say, yeah, that's my decision today. I'm putting, I'm choosing to put my faith in Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Lord, we thank you for what you're speaking to hearts. Just take a moment as God's speaking to your heart. Maybe you raise your hand or you didn't, but you wanted to. Today, you're making that decision. Pray this prayer with me. Come on, resonate. Let's help those who are praying it today. Say, dear Jesus, I'm giving you my life. My full surrender. I choose to follow you. Because I believe you died and rose again. I'm forgiven. I'm free. And I receive joy in your presence. I let myself be joyous that God loves me and is for me. Church, we put our hands together for those who made that decision today.